0: Yeah, good morning. Welcome to the program on this Thursday morning. We had to clear out those cool customers, Karianas and Magnuson, wherever you tuned in on SEN 1170 AM Sydney and, of course, on the SEN app. Come and join us, 0457 736 736 on the text line or 1300 01 1170 is the open line number. Happy to take your calls on this Thursday morning as we'll talk about... A bunch of issues in front of us today. Some light-hearted, some good fun, and, of course, plenty of results to get through as well. But the weather is a huge talking point in Sydney. A top of 34 degrees today for the city, 37 out west for Penrith and Richmond. And then tomorrow, tops between 35 and 39, so pushing towards 40 degrees. For Brisbane today, the first day of the second test, Australia v. the West Indies, Mostly sunny and 32 with, of course, a 2 o'clock start our time for that one. The day-night test gets underway. So it's one of those days, isn't it? And I heard Miss I'll say this. Yeah, it's summer in Sydney. It gets hot. It sure does. But we're in for a couple of clangers over the next couple of days. So we're thinking this morning about, look, the Brisbane Heat did their job last night. The Heat is a hot topic of conversation. If you're going to jump into an Uber or a cab today probably the first thing you'll talk about. So let's try and cool things down a little bit and let's discuss some cool customers in sport. Let's get the cool vibe this morning. Who oozed cool out there on court or on the playing field? Athletes who have kept their cool, the ice men and women of sport worldwide. Join that this morning and send in your nominations. A couple that have been floating around the office. Roger Federer was the first one that came to mind for me. Just always oozed cool. Rarely lost his temperature, had a swagger, had a presence. He was so cool. Nathan Cleary, the ice man. So we can go down the way of off, uh, away from the sporting field, how cool they are, or even on the sporting field. Because when it comes to the clutch, Nathan Cleary delivers as though he's got quite literally ice in his veins. And then you think of the Swagger Kings, your Chris Gales, your Viv Richards as well. So let's go through some cool customers in sport today and try and forget about this uh, hot, you know, hot Thursday that's going to hit us and then backed up by a hot Friday as well. 0457 736 736. When I say to you a cool customer in sport, who's the first person you think of? You'll also need to know your Australian history, mostly Australian sporting history this morning because the Everyone's a Winner quiz is back. So we've re-engineered it. Five questions. We'll do that after ten o'clock this morning. So make sure you stay tuned, and we've got a Signet Boost power bank to give away. Some some Aussie questions a day earlier than we celebrate Australia Day. One 1170 is the open line number. A full lineup of guests. Adam White from the Sen Cricket Team will join us. What I've seen from the Gabba this morning is another green top, and it's not the first time that we've seen one of those up there. So with the temperature up there at 32, mostly sunny, they're starting with a green one. The question of how long we get out of this test may well obviously determine how long that pitch stays green. It's just a matter of how long the West Indies, you think, can handle the Australian attack. So Adam White will join us. So too David Sandersky, who is the Gabba curator. So we'll get David on the line and see what he's thinking, what he's Seeing and the kind of preparation that they've had up there and a full-blown weather forecast as well. Brett Phillips with the latest from uh, the Australian Open Tennis and we'll touch base again with David Crennidge from Ponting Wine. So Ricky Ponting Wine's back in action as a sponsor of the morning program this year. Last night at the SCG, myself and Doug Bollinger were there as the Brisbane Heat deservedly claimed their second BBL title. It was a 54-run win over the Sixers and a big crowd as well. Forty-three thousand one hundred and fifty-three fans at the SCG, a sea of magenta, as you'd expect. There was also a concert next door at the Horden Pavilion. So, look, we 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 do this every time, and perhaps that's why it drives me nuts. Yes, you don't want everybody to drive out to the Sydney Cricket Ground or the Horden when major events are on, but people still have to drive out. That's why there's car parks there. (laughs) Can we work out a way where there's more than one lane to get in and out of the joint? Is there any way in 2024 that those who take our money on the way in with tolls, through the gates, back out the gates, who fleece us left, right and centre, can somehow work out a way that we get in and out of the joint without sitting around for ages on the way in or on the way out. It was a double whammy last night. We parked at the entertainment quarter and we stuck around for the full presentation. So I got to my car at 10 past 11. But at the same time, the concert next door had wrapped up and a lot of the concert goers there were young. So they were being picked up by their parents. So there was a steady stream of Ubers in and out, a lot of parents coming in and out, and then everyone trying to get out of the Entertainment Quarter car park. The thing's an absolute schmuzzle. <laughs> you, you can say this every single time and, and nothing will change. It's a byproduct, unfortunately, of what was a really good night for the Brisbane Heat especially. Eight for 166. Josh Brown went to town again, 53 off 38. Sean Abbott was the best of the Sixers bowlers, four for 32 off his four overs, but the Sixers were never in it. 112 was their final total as they were bowled out in the 17th or 18th over. Moses Enriquez put 25 on the board. He came into this game with COVID. As I was driving into the SCG, because I had a fair bit of time, as I was driving in, I heard that Andrew McDonald and Cameron Green had picked up COVID up there in Brizzy. And then when we got there, Daniel Hughes took over the bat flip role because Moses had been diagnosed with COVID, um, by all reports was okay, but he, he looked knackered by the time he got off after those twenty-seven deliveries that he faced, and he was in a kind of an isolation. They they had another part of the dressing room for him, and then he had to sit a little bit further away in the dugout, but he was still high-fiving and fist pumping and all that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty relaxed old law. Spencer Johnson was brilliant last night, four for twenty-six, including three wickets. Uh, in his final over. So the Brisbane Heat finished first in the regular season. They had to go the long way through the finals. And what they did last night against the Sixers was strangle them. They suffocated them out of the game. It was such a clear game plan from the Heat just to play a very straightforward game of BBL. It's really the only way you can put it. Go back to the Challenger when they took on the Strikers and they just went all guns blazing. (laughs) Josh Brown was shooting from the hip, 140 off 57, I think it was. Last night, they had the they had the tendency to go when they needed to go, but they were also just very straightforward. With their batting attack, with their bowling, with their fielding, and they just strangled the Sixers out of the game who couldn't get into it. In fact, in the first over when the Sixers came out and lost their first wicket in Daniel Hughes, you felt the crowd just go out of it. Now, there was still a long way to go there, but wow, the momentum change was incredible. Congratulations to Steve O'Keefe. He finished with 99 BBL wickets. So he came in with 98. He ends up removing Josh Brown as they sent it upstairs. It was a really good review, and why not? But he ends up with 99 BBL wickets, and he was exhausted by the end of it. So here's one, because one of the boys said last night, would you rather... Would you, be, would you be pissed if you finish with 99? Or would you, you obviously want to finish with 100, right? That's that's nice. But there's something cool and quirky about 99. <laughs> and as time goes on, I'm sure Socky would go, there's a drop catch there. There was this there. There was that appeal there that should have gone. I mean, there was, you know, there's probably 20, 30, 40. You can keep going. Wickets left on the table throughout the course of a 103-match career. But is 99 so bad? Let me know your thoughts on that one. I reckon in time you reflect and you go, you know what? That's kind of funky. People remember that. So Stephen O'Keefe wraps it up and uh, his stunning career comes to an end. So Socky, I reckon you're not tuned into this this morning. You're either (laughs) still going or you're still asleep. But if you are, mate, well done. At the Australian Open, the women's semi finals tonight, Coco Goff against Arena Sabalenka in the first. So that's the fourth seed against the defending champion and second seed. That's the all star lineup this evening. And then on the other side after that, Diana Yastremska against Xinwen Sheng from China. So Zheng beat uh, Kalinskaya 6 7, 6 3, 6 1, and Jam Stremska, uh, Stremska knocked out Linda Noskova 6 3, 6 4. So in that semi-final, we've got a 21 year old who's the first Chinese woman to make a uh, sorry, the fourth Chinese woman to make a Grand Slam semi. And she will be ranked inside the top ten when the rankings come out next week. So it's all going really well. Jam Stremsker is a qualifier from Ukraine, ranked 93 in the world coming into this tournament and having a wow of two weeks. So that's the semi finals tonight. The men's semis on Friday will be Novak versus Yannick Sinner. Novak leads 4-2 head-to-head on that one, but Sinna won their last matchup when they played at the Davis Cup. And the other semi, Daniil Medvedev against Alexander Sverev, which is interesting. When you look at their head-to-head, they've played 18 times. And Medvedev has the wood, 11-7. They've never met in a major, which surprised the heck out of me. I checked and double-checked. So they've never met in a major. Sverev defeated Carlos Alcaraz in three hours and five minutes. He motored through the first two sets, 6 1, 6 3. The third went to Alcaraz in a tiebreak, and then Sperov closed it out 6 4. He made the semi finals here four years ago now, Alexander Sperev, and was runner up at the US the same year. Medvedev took a tick under four hours to dispatch Hubert Hurkacz from Poland, 7 6, 2 6, 6 3, 5 7, 6 4. A two time Australian Open runner up. And of course, a US Open champion. So that's the semi stage of the Oz Open this morning. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. 736 Walnuts first in on the text line says, Usain Bolt, Captain Cool. Yep. Yep. Very cool customer. So what was it about Usain? I mean, is it the whole show? Is it, it the swagger seems to be it? The vibe of the cool. I asked Missile, who was cool in Australian swimming aside from himself? <laughs> which was his first answer. Matt Biondi, the great American swimmer, he is cool. Michael Klim had some cool about him. Let us know your thoughts on that. Nick Curios, Nick Curios. Okay, Let, let's, let's take a helicopter view on this one. So the other day I read you out Nick Curios's article that he penned in the Sydney Morning Herald. Now the headline is this, I'm contemplating retirement and won't be available for the Paris Olympics by Nick Curios. In the very first paragraph, he says, the reality is there's a part of me that knows my time in the sport may be over and I'm okay with that. It's a conversation that needed to be had. I'm at a crossroads in my career and have reached a point where life after tennis is a prospect that excites me. Now, aside from the headline, there's no mention of the R word by Nick Kyrgios at all. But just from that, and we went through it in depth when he wrote it, but just from those two paragraphs there, the opening paragraphs, it's a fair assumption to say that Kyrgios is contemplating the end of his career. He knows that his time in the sport may be over, he's at a crossroads, and he's reached a point where life after tennis is a prospect that he's not only thinking of, but it excites me. However, the word retirement in the headline gained all the traction. And Nick Kyrgios then jumps on Instagram to say this.
1: Hey, guys, so I've woken up today and realised about some articles going around saying that I'm retired and I'm not going to play anymore. And I just want to just clear it up like it's absolute nonsense. Yes, the last year has been tough with injury, my knee, my wrist, but I'm hungry as ever, constantly rehabbing in the gym. You know, part of the reason why I'm commentating and doing all these things around AOs to still feel that fire and still be a part of it. So I just want to let everyone know, all my fans, I'm coming back, stay tuned. But there's plenty left in the tank. Don't stress.
0: Don't stress. I I can't say I was stressed about it, Nick, to be fairly honest with you. I actually liked what he put into the article. The real point about the article, the biggest point about the article that he wrote, or the column that he wrote, was the fact that he's had a major swipe at the Australian Olympic Committee, and that was buried all the way through, where he said, I'm not going to play in Paris even if they decided to pick me because they left me out in 2016, and he called it a disgrace. He said, I'll never be forgotten the way that I was treated by Kitty Chiller, the former chef de mission at the time. So that was the real key point. But what's happened since, and you go on to Google and type in Nick Kyrgios retirement, the headlines are all there. Nick rubbishes retirement talk. Kyrgios backflips on retirement talk. Kyrgios pours cold water on retirement claims. Kyrgios refuses to play in Olympics in sad revelation about looming tennis retirement. Retirement, retirement, retirement. Which he didn't say. In the article, he certainly alluded to, the headline said it. Now, I had a chat with Michael Kariannis about this. When I started in journalism, I started in a newspaper called the Manly Daily. And we didn't have online stuff and all that business. Still whacking away at the old computers, uh, the old um, typewriters, the claw typewriters. Right? It wasn't. By the way, I'm not from the dark ages. That was just the technology that they could afford, I reckon, at the time. We never wrote the headlines, ever. It always went to the process of the sub-editors and then, of course, the chief editor and off it went. So these days, a lot of that is fed through online and your own article is submitted with your own headline. Sometimes the headline in print doesn't make it. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's changed for formatting, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to articles written by non-journalists, and in this case, Nick Kyrgios, whether he wrote this word for word or was penned by a ghostwriter... The process is still the same, and the normal process on that, according to MC and Maggie, who does a lot of that writing, says, yes, they get to check it, headline and all. So one of two things has happened here. Nick Kyrgios hasn't checked it, hasn't seen the headline and didn't have a problem with it or or, or didn't have a problem with it and has let it go through, or he wrote it, knowing full well that the fire was just going to rage out of control. So in my opinion, if he's seen or ha- if, if the headline was there and he's been given the opportunity to check it, he's only got himself to blame for not pulling them up on the word retirement. And if he didn't check it, why not? So I'm contemplating retirement and won't be available for the Paris Olympics by Nick Kyrios is a fairly obvious statement however it works pretty well doesn't it to the Nick Kurios modus operandi which is the story's generated then you can fuel the follow-up yourself I don't think he was too stressed about it it gets lots of likes all that kind of business and it has the impact which is keep Nick Kurios in the news We'll talk about the Tavita Pangai Junior situation as well. The boys covered that in breakfast this morning. Is he plotting a possible comeback this season with the Broncos, or is it all just about getting you to get your eyeballs on him for another pay-per-view boxing match? Perhaps. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Is the text line 1300 01 1170 our open line number? Cool customers in sport, and don't forget today, our everyone's a winner quiz. We're back on the text line. This one from the Brisbane Eel. Uh, morning, Matt. I appreciate your frustration last night coming home from your job, but consider this the big bash leaves it hanging in the air. Who hosts the final? So it became unavoidable that this clashed with the music event. Yeah, absolutely. On another note, Matt, you live in a city of over five million, they sold out the SCG, which was great. Not denying that, so probably not that bad. It was an awesome crowd, Brisbane. Ale. Won't add fuel to the fire that I live 20 minutes from Suncorp. And even after a sold-out game, I'm home in actually 20 minutes. Suncorp is a public transport hub. So driving is buyer beware, my friend. Yes. I'm I'm with you, Brisbane. Ale. I'm not trying to poo-poo everything at all. But the amount of times that you go out there to the SCG or the Sydney Footy Stadium and you have to drive. Add another lane. Mate, add another lane. (laughs) Like, how damn hard is it? A little bit too hard, by the way, that it's going. Plenty of public transport there, all that kind of stuff. And, and look, I'm not complaining. Yes, frustration, and, yeah, it was my job. So, not complaining at all. It's first world problems. I totally get that. But can't we just fix it? (laughs) We're pretty quick to add another lane for bikes and walkers and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, 0457 736 736. BJC from Blacktown says, Good luck to Nick in retirement. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, you attention-seeking drama queen. (laughs) Don't mention the R word, BJC. That's what got him upset, even though it's the third word in the headline in his own article. So what I would say to Nick is, If you don't want people to talk about retirement in an article where you're clearly contemplating retirement, don't let them put it in the headline. It's your article, including the headline. Matty, the most telling part of Nick's retort of retirement is him saying, I'm as hungry as ever. He's never been hungry for the grind involved in reaching the top. Nothing has changed Uh, in accordance to you there, crime scene. Well, he says, I'm at a crossroads in my career. And he's reached a point where life after tennis is a prospect that excites me. He also talked too about playing for his country. I wanted to play for my country. I can't say that I still had that desire. And let's be honest, haven't exactly felt like Australia has wanted me to represent it either. Here's one that I I sort of went over yesterday as we were going through this. Some people are rejoicing in the fact that I'm not playing. I think the crowds and viewership at the Australian Open the past couple of years tell a different story. Okay. All right. So we might crunch some numbers on that one. Matty, parked at the Entertainment Quarter once, never again. Park at Kensington, take the light rail, the Wilton Radiator. Look, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, you're going to have a car park there. It's been there for a long time. It's taken people's money on the way in, on the way out. At least make it usable. <laughs> it's not too hard. 0457 736 736. Adam White from the SEN cricket team will join us to give us an update from the Gabba day one of the second test against the West Indies. Adam part of the team, of course, with Jared Waitley, Damian Fleming. We had Barat on. Yesterday as well, COVID's been going through the Australian side. So what is it? 9.30 this morning, we might get a COVID update, see who else has got it up there. Um, but Cameron Green will play. Um, Andrew McDonald continues to coach. Travis Head is good to go. Usman Kawaja caught the knock on the head. He's good to go. Everything that the West Indies would want to happen for the Australian team isn't happening. As in, they're all playing right now let's go to the news thanks Vanessa day one of the second test Australia v the West Indies gets underway this afternoon our coverage two o'clock for our New South Wales listeners one o'clock for those in Queensland Adam White part of the team and he's on the line g'day Adam g'day Matt good to talk to you mate um quick check COVID this morning have have you heard anyone as have you bumped into any Australian cricketers because if you have you better get tested it seems to be rampant (laughs)
2: I know, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think they initially thought that it was just going to be Travis Head, yeah. um, and they thought they dodged a bullet, then uh, obviously it emerged later yesterday that uh, not only Andrew McDonald had it, and I think Andrew's had it for a couple of days and was trying to be a bit quiet about it, but uh, the Cameron Green one was a bit of a setback, so... (laughs) We'll just have to wait and see later this afternoon as to whether any more have got it.
0: So the process for Cam Green is they'll they'll go through those protocols which have been in place. And it's fair to say, mate, that the, the protocols are so much more lax now, aren't they? I mean, we saw it with Moses last night in the Big Bash final. He tested positive on game day, but still, ha- uh, still managed to play. If Cameron Green is still positive by the time they head, head on out there... He'll play, but he'll just be in his own little bubble, essentially, when you think about dressing rooms and dugouts and all that.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I was actually going to use the the Moses Enriquez example as well. And you, you, saw it, you were there last night. You saw um, it really didn't feel like it was any different. Mm. Um, so, yes, things have, have sort of relaxed a little bit. They will set up um, separate rooms uh, for them to get changed and all those sorts of things to sort of, you know, so they're not indoors together. Um, but generally speaking, even if Cameron Green was to have it, he'll, he'll play. And I don't think, the, I don't think it's, it's going to be a situation where he'll field out in the outfield. I still think he would field in the gully and things would be pretty much, pretty much normal for how we would see it as, as cricket fans watching on.
0: Yeah. So that's the, that's the COVID update. Let's do the weather update. It's going to be good up there throughout the course of the day. The, the forecast is saying mostly sunny 32, but gee, it looks like another green top
2: yeah it does and I've been on the uh the weather app sort of every five minutes for the last few days because uh it doesn't it it look it looked horrendous a few days ago for days three four, and five, but it does continue to improve, so that's good signs, but the first two days there shouldn't be too many problems at all and yeah I was really interested in the pitch, considering what they served up last year. I thought they'd be a lot tamer this time around because I don't think anyone really wants two-day test matches, Mm. but it certainly does seem to be still pretty green. I haven't had a look at it um, yet sort of from close range, Um, but the feeling is it's going to be a little bit better than what it was last year, but it's still going to be really difficult to bat on. And and that's the concern for for the test match, considering how hard it was for the West Indies to bat in Adelaide. We've got to remember, it was hard for the Australians as well. At one point, they were 6-140 in their first innings. Mm. But uh, it's more the the concern for me is if the West Indies were to bat first uh, later today, um, it could be awfully difficult for them, particularly once we get to to that uh, night situation in a day-night test match where the ball starts swinging around corners. And considering how well the Australians have been bowling throughout the course of the summer, um, it's going to be awfully difficult for them.
0: Oh, can you imagine that pitch, um, the pink ball, muggy conditions, like you say, later on at night, the the light starting to come off, you know, uh, come on rather, and say Mitchell Stark with early ball movement and the, and the whole lot, and then Josh Hazelwood in the kind of form he's in. I think you'd be having nightmares if you're one of the West Indian batsmen at the moment. I'm going to have a chat with the curator up there at the Gabba a little bit later on, so I'll get the, the reasoning behind that. But obviously starting green, given the fact that it's – going to be fairly hot over the next couple of days. But there are certainly some some big thunderstorms heading your way. Before I get your thoughts on, on how this is going to play out, your reaction to last night, the Brisbane Heat were, were just, they were so stuck to the game plan that was such a simple, straightforward game plan. As you know, mate, anything can happen in T20 cricket. But they played a very, so to speak, straight bat against the Sydney Sixers and kind of suffocated them out of the game.
2: Yeah, they did. And it's, it's an, an amazing story, the Brisbane Heat, because it was sort of only three years ago that they were almost the laughing stock of the competition because of how unpredictable they were. You know, they'd lose from unlosable positions, they'd be violently inconsistent from, from game to game, even within matches. Um, they wanted to entertain all the time rather than actually win. Um, they all wanted to play like Chris Lee, it and was, it was quite ridiculous how they used to play. Now, all of a sudden, they've become the most consistent team in the competition, and they've got a game plan, as you say, that they, that they stick to. So while so much of it, particularly in the last couple of matches, have been about Josh Brown and what he's been able to do, I truly believe they've won the tournament because of their bowling. Um, they've been very, very consistent, um, high level with their, with their execution, both with pace and also spin, and as is so often the case across most sports, defence tends to win. And in cricket, defence is bowling and fielding. And if you post a score and then you defend really well when you've got ball in hand, um, you apply pressure. And that's exactly what happened to the Sixers last night. The pitch, obviously, you were there. It wasn't mm. great. Mm. But we knew that going in that it wasn't going to be great. And the Sixers, who have got all that experience, they couldn't match it um, with the heat. Now, I will ask you the question, Matt. That had Dawshus taken the catch of Josh Brown early, yes. would have we had a totally different cricket match? My gut feeling is probably yes. Yep. Um, but catches win matches, and drop catches sometimes lose matches.
0: We would have had a much tighter finish. I-, I felt like the Heat just had the edge all night. But what they did, and what that catch would have done is broken up the partnership. And the partnership of Brown and McSweeney was absolutely crucial. And then Renshaw and Bryant together as well. So they built their innings around partnerships and then they strangled the Sixers out of the game by making sure that they didn't get any partnerships, as you rightly point out, with their bowling attack. So that catch would have been absolutely crucial in not only taking out a bloke who's on fire and who posts another half century in Josh Brown, but breaking up the partnership between him and McSweeney.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And what what happens particularly at the SCG is that if you can break partnerships and get new batsmen in and bowl spin to new batsmen, it's really hard to get your game going. Mm. And for, from a Sixers point of view, um, their spin of, of Murphy and also O'Keefe, that's that's high-quality spin. So you, you can get them in, particularly in the first 10 overs, bowling to new batsmen at the crease. It makes it really hard to get 160. But what happened, and to, to credit to particularly Josh uh, Brown, but also to Nathan uh, McSweeney, that they it sort of established a bit of an innings going by the time they got spin going. And um, they were set at the crease, and uh, that's why they got 160 plus, And that's what was always going to be really difficult for them to get it. So as I said, I'm, I'm really pleased for the Heat because of their ability to turn their, I guess, their identity around. And I, it's been a long time since they've won a title and there's no one still left from, from that title, um, apart from a couple of the coaches. But for me, it's just what they've done in the last couple of years. And even someone like a Max Bryant, who... Um, You know, he's had his troubles along the way, highly talented, but, you know, would often throw his wicket away. He's now a premiership player. Um, And, you know, that's sort of emblematic, I think, of how they've been able to turn things around. And to think that there was a match there about three or four games ago where they had Kawaja, they had Shane, they had Munro, they had Billings, and they all left. And you're thinking, well, the Brisbane heat of no chance from here without those players, uh, they proved everybody wrong.
0: In the bang, crash, wallop world of BBL, they won it with predictable consistency, which is a remarkable yep. thing to do. And congratulations to them. The Windies, mate, what have they got to do here to, to get the mindset into a place where they believe that they can push this Australian side that will be cock-a-hoop coming into this one unchanged, coming into this one, that the West Indies is going to have to come in with some sort of point of difference.
2: Yeah, I think, look, their best chance, I believe, is to bowl first and try and get Australia out today, um, under 200. I think that's their best chance. The problem with that, Matt, is that the way day-night cricket is played, the hardest time to bat is actually the third session. So you might get them out for 200, then all of a sudden you're batting and it's under lights and they're five for 50. So that's that's the complexity of day-night cricket. But I st- I certainly believe that they've got to try and get into a situation where they can get themselves ahead on the scoreboard um, early in the match and try and create some pressure that way. They bowled really well in Adelaide. As I mentioned before, they did get Australia six for 140. And if it wasn't for Travis Head, they would have been dismissed for under 200. So they've got to take some confidence out of that. Those three fast bowlers, Keemar Roach with all the experience, Elzari Joseph with the speed and then the unpredictability of Shamar Joseph, who did so well in his first test match. That's a good three. Kevin Sinclair comes in as the as the spinning option to replace Motti. Now I think Sinclair's more a batsman than he is a you know a high a high end bowler. But I think that bowling group can put a bit of pressure on an Australian lineup that is different with Steve Smith opening the batting and obviously Cameron Green at four. And I think as a general uh, batting group, they haven't had a great summer. I think they've been carried a lot by their bowlers. So I don't think Australia going in in top form. Um, I'm really trying to hope, I guess, that the West Indies are competitive because you want to see a competitive test match. But if I'm Craig Brathwaite and I win the toss, I'm bowling and trying to put a bit of pressure on Australia from the start.
0: Yeah, pressure's the key. The full team assembling. Uh, Socky's heading your way tomorrow, so you might need, like, one of those Gatorade-sized buckets in the corner full of (laughs) (laughs)
2: Hydrolite. I think he's He's meant to be here
0: today. Yeah. Um, I know he's coming. I'm not... Is he he commentating today? Is he working today? uh, Well, that's... He says he is. I'm... I don't think anyone's
2: totally convinced he's going to be here. Um, But apparently he is. Um, And I was watching it last night thinking, are we more of a chance of having him here if they lose or if they win? Um, based on celebration Mm. factor. But Mm. um,
0: I'm not sure. But he says he's going to be here, so we'll just have to wait and see. Well, at the presentation, he still had his pads on because he was last man out. (laughs) So chances are if he does arrive today, he'll still have his pads on. (laughs) So he won't be hard to find. Good on you, mate. Have a great day. Have a great test. Thanks for the update this morning. No, no problems, Matt, Anytime. Adam White joining us there. So 2 o'clock this afternoon, our coverage for our Sydney listeners, an hour early, of course, on the clock for our Brizzy listeners as well. The second test getting underway, the day-night test at the Gabba. We're back after this with your texts and calls on 1300 01 1170. Steve on the text line says, has Michael Nisa now earned a call-up for the test team? Is his form in the BBL has been outstanding? It has just... I mean, we've just been talking there with Adam about predictability and consistency in a game that is totally unpredictable and hard to get momentum or any form of consistency. Yet Michael Neisser in particular is a shining example of that and then adds the sparkle as well. How was that boundary catch last night? I still don't know. In the split second that he had to think about that, where he had all of his momentum going over the rope, knowing that he was going over the rope, not not just part, like not trying to stop on his feet to not go over the rope, but his whole body was going over. He catches it in two hands, keeps it out in his right hand, puts his left hand down within millimeters of the rope, and then flicks as he somehow pivots his body over the rope. The interesting thing is if that had the little sponsor... Um not, not bollard, but you know what I'm saying. That what, what do you call it, Mark? The
3: Triangle? Yeah, a
0: little triangle, a little Pyramids, padding. There's the yeah. word. Padding. If that had the sponsors padding on it, that's a boundary. Right? That's that's another two inches of height that he didn't have to play with. It was an extra and then offloads it to Paul Walter, who gets credited with the catch. <laughs> right? It was freakish. It was at the other end of the field to where we were commentating from, far, far away. But the And so you don't know, but the instant reaction from everyone involved, they weren't just claiming it as a catch. Somehow Michael Nusa and Paul Walter knew that he kept that fabric of clothing off the rope. And his extraordinary ability in the field with the bat and with the ball makes him an absolute candidate. He's only played the two tests, Steve, but it's a good shout-out. What about Steve uh, Spencer Johnson last night? Four wickets. He was emotional too in the presentation where he said and thanked the Brisbane Heat for changing his life. So there was a lot of emotion running through that. We're talking about cool customers this morning. That guy's cool. I don't think he sweated on his way to those four wickets last night. Um, John Doroughy, obviously, yes, talking about cool. Um, Joe Cool. Uh, cool athletes, Michael Bevan, the ultimate Ice Man, and the best finisher in one day history. Let's not forget the bowling attacks that he was up against. Um, says Tiger Vickers. Yeah, Travis Head is pretty cool. This one from Matt. Tons and World Cup and Adelaide under pressure. Keeps it simple. See ball, hit ball. Plays the same way, whatever situation. Uh, no ball, no flies on him. And it's got the swagger off it. You know, well, he's got the party swagger. Yeah, he's got the mo. He's pretty cool, pretty cool customer. Viv Richards, one cool dude. So, Scuba Steve, I'm with you on that. Viv was one of my favourite players, now Sir Viv. And again, that swagger. I mean, a lot of the West Indians, almost all of the West Indians had it throughout that era. But Captain Cool, the whole West Indies cricket team from back in the day, says the Western Sydney Eagle, cool on the field and ice cold off it, especially in the nightclubs. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. 0457 736, 736 is my text line. We'll talk tennis in our next hour. Don't forget, today is the return of the Everyone's a Winner quiz. So, five questions. Everyone's a winner. We got it's a SignaBoost power Powerback. Last listener standing quiz. No, it's not. No, it's not. We just needed the. yeah. It's good to have you back in the studio. It's been a while since Mark. I've been with you. Oh, so that was a little tease, right? Five. So what I've done is I've done five questions, and they're around. So it's Australia Day comes early here in the morning show, but it's an Australian-based theme uh, Australian-based quiz. Some sport, most sport, but you're going to have to know your Aussie sport, and you're going to have to know some Aussie history as well. So Mark, you're out of the game. You you are gonski, gone, 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 gone. But you'll learn a lot today. Always do, on the and show. then tomorrow on Australia Day, you can just drop a couple of, you know, the nuggets that you've. Discovered on the program this morning. One 1170 is the open line number, so keep that handy. We'll start taking calls uh, in our next hour. Back after this break. A very big welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ six ninety three. Good morning to you. Thanks for your company. Welcome back on eleven seventy a.m. in Sydney this morning. We'll be touching on the tennis as we move to the semi final stage. At the Australian Open. So Brett Phillips with the latest from Melbourne Park. The second test, of course, gets underway this afternoon at the Gabba. It's a bit of a green top there. We're going to chat to the curator at the Gabba before play gets underway. The Brisbane Heat, of course, continuing to celebrate this morning after a rock-solid victory. Their second BBL title, their first in 11 years, and atones for the disappointment of last year going down in the final. It was a win for predictable consistency. And those two words don't often go hand in hand with the big bash league. But the Brisbane Heat came through the long way in the final series after being the best team all season, losing first up to the Sydney Sixers, having to go through the challenger, demolishing the Adelaide Strikers, essentially at the hands of Josh Brown with his 140. And then coming to the Sydney Cricket Ground last night, with 43,000 people there, the biggest crowd for a BBL match at the SCG, and obviously most of them wearing magenta. They silenced the crowd. They did a super job with the bat, building partnerships, and then were terrific in the field and the ball. Missed opportunities for the Sydney Sixers. However, the Brisbane Heat would not be denied their second title. So congratulations to them. And Matt Renshaw, of course, turns around and goes straight back to the test team to be on standby for that one. So a lot happening in the world of cricket. Cameron Green yesterday tested positive for COVID. Um, We'll have to see what happens today, but he will more than likely, unless he's not feeling well, more than likely be there and no problems. He'll just have to work under the COVID protocols. Same too with Andrew McDonald. Travis Head cleared to play. No dramas there. Um, That's the scenario Facing the Australian cricket team, it seems as though we're, we're just getting back with these cases popping up left, right and centre. We're getting back into that mode of be prepared for anything. I mean, when we got to the SCG last night, we found out the news about Moses Enriquez contracting COVID. And what it really meant in the, in the official scheme of things was Daniel Hughes then took over all the other duties of... ...what the skipper would be. Moses was still captain, but Daniel Hughes' vice-captain did the bat flip. Interestingly, too, decided to bowl first. And the Heat took advantage of being sent in to bat. In fact, on that, Daryl on the text line says, I sent a text on Monday that the Heat should bat first if the bat toss is won. My theory has been proven correct, as the four finals matches were won by the team batting first, i.e. sixes, strikers and Heat times two. Overall, the Heat won the majority of their games by batting first and then backed it up by excellent efforts with a fine group of bowlers. Congratulations to all concerned with the Brisbane Heat for a job well done. Champions, says Daryl. Yeah, agree with all of that. And partnerships were the key. No doubt about it. The wicket Takers did their job in the second innings, but partnerships were the key. Brown and McSweeney, Bryant and Renshaw, who was terrific last night. They did not let the Sydney Sixers get on top of them. If you've got your thoughts about what unfolded last night, Michael Neese's handoff catch to Paul Walter is a good topic of discussion as well. The athleticism of the modern day cricketer is crazy to comprehend. And you know why? Because they train for that. That's why. They train for those scenarios. Hit me balls on the boundary hit me balls as far as and as close as you can on the boundary, make a ball be 20 meters away from me so I have to run to the boundary, and they train and practice for it. So why do they all of a sudden do it? I don't know how Michael Nesser would have somehow trained to take that kind of catch, but he would have gone through the process of knowing where the rope is behind him, practicing falling over the rope and trying to offload it. They do it time and time again. It doesn't just come out of the blue because they watch others do it it's a skill in skill part of the game it's like the lap it's like the you know the ramp they practice this stuff the reverse it, it all comes together after many 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 hours of practice congratulations to the brisbane heat we're also this morning talking cool customers in sport speaking of the heat and the extreme heat that's hitting parts of australia today in particular sydney which will also cop it tomorrow it'll be getting close in western sydney to 40 degrees tomorrow the forecast for Brisbane, 32 and mostly sunny today. But further down the track might be a problem for that test. I guess the biggest question here is how long does the test go? What was it, two and a half days for the first test? Quite possibly could have wrapped up by the end of day two, grab an extra half an hour. I'm glad they didn't. But the, the question here is, okay, so how long does this test match go for? Um, and that will also come into play with the deck itself, which looks very, very green at the moment. Heat, rain, there's all sorts of stuff. And it's a day-night test. So we have that added complexity as well. So the cool customers in sport then are are going to keep us cool over the next couple of days. I want your opinions. When I say to you, who's a cool customer in the world of sport? Who, Who has the vibe, the ooze of cool the swagger of cool seems to be the one that we're zeroing in on. Let me know. 0457 736 736. Ed the Turtle says Bernard Foley. Icing the penalty to win uh, Super Rugby for the Tars. A clutch player. No doubt about it. Cool customers. Broadway Joe Namath, Dennis Lilly and Wilt Chamberlain are the shout outs from The Reptile. Pedro says, Maddie, I've been practicing my Viv Richards walk at home. <laughs> Almost ready to release it in the public. Pedro... If you can get the swagger like Viv Richards had the swagger, then what I'd say to you is go and buy yourself a gold chain as well and see if you can pull that one off whilst you're swaggering down in the street in public we're up to the semi-final stage at the australian open the women will be on court later on this evening SEN's coverage continues tonight Brett Phillips coming to us live from Melbourne Park good morning to you BP so it's semi-final time Coco Goff and Arena Sabalenka and then Yastremska against Zheng so the final four of the women's semis how do you view these ones tonight
4: Well, the first one, Matty, is going to be a beauty is that uh, Sabalenka and Goff were sort of been um, starting to preview it uh, a couple of days out anticipating this was going to be the likely uh, semi uh, matchup. And Well, you you, you could make a strong case it's on the racket of Arena Sabalenka tonight. I mean, if she is on and uh, executing to perfection, then we know that uh, she is just a uh, a tsunami coming at you that is very, very hard to uh, get out of the way of and um, you know, Coco is the one, though, that can you know, certainly challenge and disrupt and, and put some doubt in the mind of Arena. And she has got the credentials of the running US Open champion and what she's done, you know, so far in this tournament. I just, I just feel really sure about Coco's game. Yes, uh, you know, she was challenged in her quarterfinal and looked a bit out of sorts early. But the way she reset and came back, there was just the uh, the traits of a champion that she's going to become um, a lot more as uh, as the years tick by. And so is Arena. Arena's going to be sticking around the 40 end. So yeah, I, I just I mean she obviously had three tight semifinals and slams last year that she um, she blew really. Arena uh, Sabalenka. So you learn a lot from those doesn't guarantee you're going to execute perfectly in the next one. Depends on the opponent, obviously. But, you know, I like Coco to get the better. And Yastrzemska, Zheng, either way, great story going into the final. You know, Zheng has uh, you know, been terrific during the tournament. In saying that, I mean, she hasn't beaten a top 50 player, but that's mm. uh, out of your hands. You just look after your end of the court, and uh, she's you know, obviously come from making that US Open quarters and now an Australian Open semi. So she is tracking in the right direction. Yostrinska is doing it clearly for more than herself, and she is inspired greatly at the moment. Um, and I think you know, that could play a huge part in the match uh, later on uh, tonight. But Zhang is the, is the player who has the game that I think is um, giving me more confidence that she can get through to the final.
0: Worldwide, you, you can imagine the numbers are going to be extraordinary for tonight, as in the viewing numbers. You've got Coco Goff, of course, so popular straight into the American audience, Arena Sabalenka, an out-and-out star, Yastremska with her story, like you mentioned, from Ukraine, and the Chinese player in Jin Zhang, who's going to be top 10 as of next week. She'll be ranked 10 when the rankings come out in, on Monday. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely,
4: yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, the markets, the international markets are massive. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, they, they pour a lot of money uh, into the tournament. They have a, a big say at the scheduling table as well. And, um, yeah, you it, it, it was interesting because last night, I mean, normally, normally the two ladies' quarterfinals have been during the day. So jeanne has got the, um, the smaller turnaround here yeah. to go from Wednesday night to Thursday night to play a semi, which is interesting. But I wanted to put her on last night because... It was a um, you know, good time for eyeballs over in uh, China. So, all these things sort of come into it. Yes, it's best of three, not best of five. So, the players are used to, in general, two alike having to back up the next day. So, it's not uh, a monumental issue, but it was, it was interesting uh, the scheduling difference from last year.
0: So we have to wait till Friday, of course, for the men's, uh, tomorrow for the men's semifinals. And they're being locked in. Alexander Sverev last night took care of Carlos Alcaraz. I was doing the BBL, Brett, as you probably know. And by the time I, I jumped back in the car and started to check the scores, I was like, hang on a second, what's happening here? I, I got home in time to watch Alcaraz save that third set. And I wondered what might have been. But Sverev looked very, very sharp.
4: He was, uh, he was magnificent. I mean, you know, he was serving over 80% first serves in last night. Now, he uh, he when he gets that first serve in, it's, you know you're in for one hell of a contest. There were periods of his career where he wasn't landing a high enough percentage and he had a pretty ordinary second serve that was getting exposed, a lot of double faults in his matches. So he's worked really hard on that. You know, he's coming from a, a long way up. Uh, in terms of that serve and when he makes good connection and hits his spots um it's really tough but in saying that it was a little uncharacteristic from alco in the first two sets the amount of unforced errors he was making some pretty sloppy games and you know the first two sets you know ran away from him and he had to play catch-up the response was great he had some pulsating winners in that tiebreaker and energized the crowd and there was one breaker served there in the fourth but yeah, it wasn't the typical Carlos Alcaraz game. As much as we sort of talk about him, Matt, at 20 being a, almost a finished product, uh, last night illustrated that you know, there's still a, a way to go. He's, you know, he's figuring things out. He's not going to just have every grand slam where he's going absolutely deep into the final. And what I find interesting now is that you know, there's it's it's like a little chip there, Medvedere, a little chip on the shoulder. You've, you've sort of forgotten about us. You've forgotten about us. Maybe it might circle back. While the young guys are still figuring some stuff out, Djokovic gets a year old, it's going to be tougher. Maybe the window is still open. It's for Zverev and Tsitsipas and Medvedev. Mm. Maybe you will get his mojo back. They could you know, claim some grand slam glory.
0: So Medvedev went through after taking care of Hubert. her catch. It's interesting. When I was doing the numbers this morning, the Medvedev v Zverev semi-final, they've got plenty of form against each other. They've played 18 times head-to-head but never at a major. Yeah. So this is the first time, and Medvedev no. leads 11-7. Honestly, BP, I looked at it, then I checked it and checked it and checked it again, and I'm still checking it right now because I'm waiting for you to say you're an idiot, Whitey. Um, of course no. they have, but it's weird that they've never come uh, up against each other at a Grand Slam tournament.
4: Yeah, absolutely, considering both of being... Uh... Yeah, right there at the pointy end. Uh, yeah, you can just depend what after the draw you land in, matchups. Uh But, yeah, they've met plenty of times where there'll be, you know, two of finals, uh, big, you know, Masters 1000s. So, and, uh, yeah, they know each other pretty well. I wouldn't say it's, um you know, a magnificent, friendly sort of uh, relationship. <laughs> I think there's an edge there. A bit like Pass and, um, you know, Zverev and Sitsipas and Medvedev. There's, you know, there's a bit going on with the men at the top, which I don't mind. Uh, that's okay it There's got to be an edge to these guys, so... Yeah, they're very familiar with each other. And, I mean, Medvedev yesterday, I mean, he just finds a way. He's just a great defender. I mean, Herkac has hit a hell of a lot more winners and was the more offensive player in that match. But Medvedev just made life really difficult. And, and uh, yeah, he only converted, what, five of 15 break points Herkac's Hercatch all um yeah, that, that, that won't make him have
0: slept all that well last night. Yeah, stats always tell the story. All right, so semi-finals tonight in the women's, uh, men's semis, of course tomorrow. Coverage tonight from seven o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time, so six o'clock for our Queensland <laughs> listeners. Before I let you go, cool customers. We've been doing that this morning because it's getting hot in Sydney. So cool customers in sport. The first cool customer I could think of in tennis was was straight away straight away Roger. Who 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 oozes the cool factor for you?
4: Yeah, I mean, any of the French. Any of the Ooh. French guys. They're pretty cool cats, aren't they? Um, who would be the leader of that pack? Uh, I mean, you'd probably say, you'd probably say a Monty. Monty's. I don't know if they're quite fit for the cool category, but you know, these guys just play with that sort of beautiful style. It's grace, um, A little bit of elegance, and they're just they a pretty, uh, pretty cool sort of demeanour uh, about them. You know, you're seeing them quite blow up like uh, the Russian
0: players. Uh, <laughs> good on you, mate. Have a good night tonight. Uh, we'll be tuned in on SEN Fanatic on the SEN app, and we'll talk again tomorrow. Uh, pleasure.
4: Thank you, Matt.
0: Brett Phillips there heading into another day at the Australian Open. What are we up to? Day 12? Day twelve of the tournament, I do believe. Um, or is it day eleven? It's hard, it's hard to keep track of all that. Either way, it's semi-finals. Oh four, five, seven, seven three, 736. one three hundred-01 eleven seventy. James is on that open line with a cool customer for us. G'day, James. Morning, Matthew. Oh, Beyond oh. Borg. Oh. Beyond Borg, yes. There's cool. There's oozing cool.
2: Yeah, and the other thing. With Roger Federer, even his own words, when he first started playing tennis, he wasn't that nice. He threw tantrums.
0: Yeah, he did. It's he in he,
2: his career.
0: A hundred percent, mate. He used to lose his, you know what, quite often um, when he was a young bloke coming through. But then he managed to turn that around, um, and and but but it was just the presence thing about about Roger. Roger looked as though he never got flustered. I mean, there were times obviously, but he, he never really got flustered. And then I had the privilege, James, of seeing him firsthand. And honestly, when when he would walk around Melbourne Park, even through down with the other players and all that kind of stuff, he just had this this presence that oozed coolness. The only time I saw Roger Federer almost be awkward around somebody else was when they were up the back of the TV studios. And I walked out of our studio at the time and he was walking past with Rod Laver next to him. And it was absolute deference to the man next to him. The cool customer in Roger became this um, almost, I'll take a step behind, sir, in, in honour of you. So, yeah, it, quite incredible, huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, but if you think about it, all the top, I mean, you talk, talk about all uh, really top 1% of the star athletes. Yeah. How many of them really spit the dummy? All right, you're John McEnroe, if you go back there. But a lot of those ones that reach the real echelon of their sport are cool. Even under, they learn how to keep their temper, keep their focus, no matter what the situation.
0: Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think they get that extra 1% to win the games because they go, oh, well, okay, i had a bad shot. Well, I'll forget that and I'll just go for the next one. <laughs> i tell you what, you, your shout-out about Beyond Borg is an absolute... Beauty and when I hear those names of the past, I I try and go into my own memory bank and go, okay, what, well, how many did he win? What did he win? When, when did he win it? And then I go on to Doctor Google and find out he only made the third round at the Australian Open. They didn't play a lot at the Australian Open. The international players a lot as much as what they should have over the years. Andre Agassi is a great case in point, but dominated the French Open, dominated Wimbledon, of course, made the final at the US four times so it didn't win the US open but bjorn borg one of the great customers and most of the swedish you know have that sort of cool factor about them they dress cool thanks james appreciate it um no f- no f- no fuss no real fuss about them 0457 736, 736 they're starting to come in thick and fast now the cool athletes so keep them coming add your name to the list and tell me why they're cool not just because they're clutch performers but there's got to be something else about these athletes that gives them the star factor. And let me tell you, if if you're the if you're the ponytail advertising executive, you want to know why such and such is cool. Why Coca-Cola are going to give him a million, 10 million bucks, whatever it is. Nike want to sign him up. So let's do that this morning. Give me a cool customer, but tell me why. 0457-736-736. a winner, that means, folks, it is your time to call now. Get on the phone, one one 1170 After our next news break, in just a couple of minutes' time, Tommy will put you in the queue, but you call. The higher you get in the queue, the better chance you got to win. You need to answer five questions this morning for the Everyone's a Winner quiz. It's back, and the Signet Boost Power Bank will be yours if you can get to the end of the quiz and get the fifth and final question correct. You're going to have to know your Australian sporting history, so it's an Aussie theme. We think we're going to have our hands full tomorrow with Australia Day and everything going on. So we've made the quiz today an Australian-based theme. Know your Aussie stuff, a little bit of history, well, lots of sporting history and a couple of curveballs in there. one one 1170 Tommy is standing by, so give him a call. And a Signet Boost Power Bank valued at $44.95. They will keep your phone, tablet, earbuds powered 24-7. An absolute must um, Mark, we're not sure if you want to take a take a punt at this, but I, I'm going to throw. I mean, where actually, where do you reckon you're at with your Aussie knowledge now?
3: How long it, you been here? I've now been here almost two years. Uh, yeah, come to two years at SEN as well. Um, if it happened in the past 18 months, really good, <laughs> really good. <laughs> Really strong. Okay. I think, so any
0: general any general knowledge? Yeah, in... I think
3: basic. Ge- I'm, I'm a big sports fan, as you know. So like it's not no, a general Australian. Oh, knowledge. general Australian knowledge. I think I do okay. I do better than um, someone who mm. is in the UK who hasn't lived here for two years. Oh, but you okay. know, right. I think I'll do all right. Capital. What's uh, that? Can- Canberra, not Sydney.
0: A... <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, try, yeah. Tried, tried the yeah. old gotcha yeah. moment. Wait, wait, sorry, um... couldn't, couldn't get it. <laughs> Couldn't get him. 1300 01 1170. We have some fun with this one, but you're going to know, uh, need to know your Aussie stuff. So the Signet Boost Power Bank is up for grabs. We'll be doing that straight after the news and plenty of your texts coming through, too, about the cool customers. But it's uh, time to open up the phones. Pick it up. 1300 01 1170. Speak to Thomas. Jump in the queue. We'll do the quiz soon. It's time for Matt's Last Listener Standing Quiz. Ah yes, if you're the last listener standing of the five questions that we've got, well I've got in front of me, you will pick up the Signet Boost Power Bank 1300 01 1170 is the open line number, so here's how it works, I've got the five questions, if you get it wrong, stay on the line because we might be able to come back to you and you can have another crack, however, what you want to do is make sure that you're ready to rumble all the way through the five and be the last listener standing one one is the open line number. The theme today, know your Aussie stuff. Sporting stuff, obviously, but Aussie stuff. So let's start with you, Tony, who's called in from Gosford. Good morning, Tony. How are you with your Aussie stuff, you reckon? Oh,
4: hopefully, okay.
0: <laughs> Jeez, mate, come on. Come on, pump yourself up here. Okay, let's start, see if you can get through. We're going to start with a cricket question. The Australian men's cricket team, Holds the record, Tony, for the most consecutive test match wins. In fact, they did it twice, from 1999 through to 2001 and from 2005 to 2008. What is that record number for the most consecutive test match wins?
4: Uh, Oh, it's around...
0: Have a shot. Have a shot. Let's... 16. Oh, good shot. 16. Good shot. Yes, the record number is oh. 16. Like I said, they did it twice. So from 1999, they went on a run where they started against Zimbabwe. They won tests against Pakistan, India, New Zealand, the West Indies, and another one against India, which made 16. And then the team from 05 all the way through to 2008 won a run of tests against South Africa, Bangladesh, England, sri lanka and india so 16 is the magic number tony you're still alive other callers hold on let's see if he can uh, get through here number two what is the australian women's rugby union team called tony wallaroos wallaroos correct you're two out of two okay the australian of the year is going to be announced tonight yes tonight now there have been plenty of Sportsmen and women who have won the Australian of the Year over the years. I'm going to take you right back though. Which famous Australian swimmer and Olympian was the Australian of the Year in 1964? (laughs) Come on, mate. You're two out of two, you're three out of three. Yeah, the clues there were swimmer Olympian 1964, which was Dawn's uh, last Olympic game. So the Australian of the Year. In fact, she was the second athlete to take Australian of the Year awards. Okay, number four. Our other callers are are nervously hoping that you trip up here, Tony, but you're obviously hoping that you're going through. Number four here. How are you with motorsport?
5: Well, there's the kryptonite.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I want you to name the two Australian drivers to have won the Formula One World Championship. Um, It's been a while. It's been a while. uh, Jack Grabham? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Be quick Mm -hmm. with the second one because I'm going to have to move on. You got Um, one. uh, Say again. So, yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to have to give it to you. I'm going to have to give it to you. Jack Brabham, Sir Jack and Alan Jones won the last one in 1980 and Sir Jack a multiple winner. Oh, that was bordering on, bordering on getting me in bad territory. Okay, here you go, Tony. You might go the clean sweeper. I don't think we've had a clean sweeper. Who was the first Prime Minister of Australia? Sir Edmund Barton. Yes. Well done. You've done it. Uh, Apologies to the other callers who didn't get on there, but Tony just got it home. That was close. That was close. Edmund Barton now, or was, ended up being Sir Edmund Barton, was the first Prime Minister of Australia. How was that, Tony? A little bit ropey, but you got there. He was also a wallaby. Yes, that's right. What the interesting part is, and I need to dig a little bit further, so he was made... Our first Prime Minister on the 1st of January 1901, which is the date of Federation, which occurred in Melbourne, Federation, of course, and therefore Federation Square. But did you know that the ceremony for the first Prime Minister took place in Centennial Park in Sydney? Hmm. No. No, no you didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Either did I until this morning. Don't know why, but it did. Um, get to the bottom of that. Hey, Tony, congratulations, mate. Thanks for being part of the quiz. Uh, I'll send you back to Tommy. You've got yourself a Signet Boost Power Bank, valued at forty-four It'll keep your phone, tablet, it'll keep everything charged 24-7. It's an absolute ripper. So, Tony, our last listener standing quiz winner, the first winner of 2024. And again, thanks to the other callers who were on the line, didn't get there, but we'll do it again next week. We'll do it again next week, and I know that I'm going to get the text saying, "Oh, I should have on that." You know, I was just about to cut him off, but hey, we're the umpires. You're in charge. I'm going to send that one to you, Mark. It's our quiz. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very, very quickly for you, um, as oh. a Scotsman, how many of those you reckon you would have got right? Uh, Wallaroos. Wallaroos. Yes. I think I might be it. You wouldn't have got Dawn Fraser.
3: No. Uh, not.
0: Motorsport. I mean, no, you spend enough time. Ta-
3: not, my, not, my, not my bag. You spend enough time no. in the studio
0: with me here, don't you I listen?
3: Well, <laughs> unless you're talking about David Coulthard, I'm sorry.
0: It's all <laughs> over my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so Jack Brabham and Alan Jones, and you now know our first Prime Minister was. Uh, Edmund Barton, 1901 to 1903. Correct. There you go. Uh, so thank you for that one. And the, and the predictable texts that come through a bit slow on the Googling there, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Um, we cop that all the time, but it, it is lighthearted. It's a bit of fun. Try and make it as accurate as we can. But anyway, it's all about fun. Now, cool athletes. I've got a lot of texts here. So let's get to those now, and you can keep them coming. 0457 736 736. <laughs> Depends how fast. Thank you for that text, Matt um another one who's who's doing the old you're googling could we work out a quiz where you have to google
3: but you have a certain time frame so it's something you'd have to google but you only have a time frame to do it so yeah. maybe 30 seconds well less i mean have to be depends on your internet connection i guess yeah, yeah. some sort of G.
0: some sort of weird google uh, <laughs> quiz cool athletes morning Matty and tommy and mark my nomination of coolness would have to be andre agassi the Adelaide Rooster. Well, there there was a guy who went from cool to crazy to awkward to weird to um, just unreal to I married Steffi. <laughs>
6: <Cool>. <laughs> straight up, Very cool. straight
0: up into the <laughs> into the cool territory. Yeah, that's a good shout, Adelaide Rooster. Warnie says Dan he oozed cool and started. I mean, it, our previous caller said, you know, let, let's not forget that Roger had that temper. When he was young and developed into this sort of cool customer with his own presence, Warney went from Bogan <laughs> to absolute global superstar, rock star territory. The best description I heard from former teammates was rock star. This guy's a rock star. He's in a different league. We get, when you used to get him, we get 10 letters, fan letters. He gets bags of things. You know, <laughs> we jump in that car, he's jumping in the limos. Warney was the absolute rock star. Murat Saffin supporters box. You probably don't remember, Mark. No, I don't. But Murat, who beat Leighton Hewitt in the final in 05 mm-hmm. at the Australian Open, was a different cat and loved the ladies. Ah. Yes. So when you looked across to the supporters box in the area there at the Australian Open, normally it was kind of different every night. Um but it was a bevy and absolutely, and somewhere in there were coaches. A couple of coaches sprinkled in. Mr. Saffin. Yeah. Hottest ticket in town for Murat Saffin. 0457 736 736. Here's one I never thought I'd read when we're talking about cool customers. And obviously wasn't around to know, but um, from what I've read, the word cool didn't come alongside the name, Sir Donald Bradman. No name on this, but he says, g'day mate. I think, I just think the great Sir Donald Bradman had it the way that he just walked out to bat. Well, I guess, I guess, Uh, you know, very different era, obviously not, not much swagger out there with all that kind of stuff. But when you're walking out to bat and you can do what Don Don did, then you probably have that air of invincibility about you. So did that translate to cool? According to our listener? Yes. Thank you for that one um John Eels Richie McCaw and John Eels nothing seemed to phase them so cool in the fact that they were just not phased by anything um John Eels nickname nobody as in nobody's perfect but eels he was regardless of the score or situation says as a from DY thank you for that as a Lee has the swagger bombs the golf ball and is a marketer's dream that's a good one um <laughs> And that one from The Horn. Steve War is the coolest bloke ever, says Monty of Bengal. Never flustered, never overexcited, discussion over. So cool on the level right there. Not off the charts, on the level. Back in the 80s and 90s when you had the no whip rule, there was one, no uh, more calmer or cooler under pressure than Peter Cook in racing. Yeah, Marginally before my time, says Spud on the text line, but Duke Kahanamoku looked like a pretty cool dude. I'd totally agree with that. one 1170 is the open line number. Western Sydney Eagle, yes, that's the tourist you're hearing. Uh, back, in, back in business. I mean, it's been a while since we've worked together. But Mark's in the studio, Western Sydney Eagle. Um, how long are you here for this week?
3: Just the day. Just the day, I'm afraid. Okay. And uh, with the cricket on, need to find me some work to do. And there's only one place... They want to send me back to It's my, it's my home, my original home on SEN.
0: <laughs> Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, there's some shout-outs for cool customers. Keep them coming, 0457 736 736. Tommy will join me. We want to get to the bottom of what's happening with the Um Tavita Pangai Jr. story. I, I get the feeling from afar that it's a story because they want it to be a story, which is normally the feeling I get when there's a boxing match coming up, a fight coming up. Where's the story here to generate some publicity? In this one, it's Tavita Pangai Jr. supposedly speaking to the Broncos about planning a comeback later on this year. But the the kicker for that, to me, the disclaimer for that, to me, is he's got a fight in March, and fighters will do anything, say anything, be anywhere to sell tickets. So that's the that's the. The critical side of me, the cynic in me looking at that. Maybe Tommy's got a point of view on that one. Continue with your points of view on 1300 01 1170. Welcome back. Uh, This one from Darren says, Matt, good to hear you back on the radio, mate. Thank you, Darren. Uh, What about Mick Doohan? He was ultra cool. Yes, he was. And, of course, Mo Matthews, cool man. (laughs) Uh, Here's a shout from Logan. Black caviar. So that's the first that's the first shout, a non-human shout that we've nah. had when we think about cool customers. Black caviar is pretty cool. Winks, it's a horse.
6: Yeah, it's an, be,
0: it's an animal. What are we doing here? It can be what cool. are we doing here? It's an animal. Animal can be cool, uh, I guess. I, we're, I'm I sure. mean, we're talking about swagger. Yeah, right. Viv Richards was cool with the swagger. You don't reckon black I caviar see, like, had the swagger? I see power and strength in horses. I don't see swagger or cool. Oh, I see swagger. I definitely see swagger. All right, fair enough. I see swagger when they win.
6: <laughs> I yeah. see
0: slow get him out the back
6: when they lose. I see swagger, when, I see swagger from the owners when their horses yeah. win. What's happening, Tommy, g'day. What's yes. happening with your horse? Show some decorum. Yeah. Looks to be back in a few weeks. So t- what's
0: the plan for 2024? Um, I'm, you not, a I'm not entirely sure you about that. Yeah, I got to ask my father.
6: <laughs> I'll see him tonight, so I'll get more information from him.
0: Tavita Pangai Junior. Yes, what's going on here? Is he is he seriously talking about playing footy again? Is he trying to sell some more tickets to stay? I don't I don't get it. Well, there's um there's no quotes from
6: him. So this is all reports coming from the Courier Mail from Peter Bedell. Um, so he's been spotted recently at Brisbane Broncos training. He's currently living up there while he's been a boxer. As you mentioned before, he's got some fights booked for March. So a possible return to the Brisbane Broncos and to rugby league in general wouldn't be possible until around June, July. So what a club, what clubs usually do is well, they always keep a roster spot open if they want to bring someone up from development after a few rounds or they want to sign a player mid-season. So the Broncos, by all means, like every other club, does or uh, do they might might keep a roster spot open for him he's gone on the record in the past saying he's very very good friends with Pat Carrigan and Payne Haas he still keeps in touch with them um who obviously leaders at the Broncos there um so it, you know it could be possible it could be possible he was there he spent six six seasons at the Brisbane Broncos until 2021 when he was released mid-season remember he joined the Penrith Panthers in 2021 and in 2022 had seasons with the Bulldogs for 2022 and last year and then obviously retired last year. And if you remember, he did all his press um, before one of his first boxing bouts and he said this in the promotional
3: tour. All my doubt is wrong, all my hate is wrong. You know, they're all trying to tell me what to do. All the people in the media are trying to tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. I'm my own boss. That's why I left. I'm sick of taking orders off halfbacks and coaches. I'll do what I want to do. You know all of us big boys we know we know footy we know what to do we know get to this point get to that point
0: why are you trying to tell us what to do he lost me at haters
6: yeah so yeah i know that's not that's not good for you so he had a crack what is he, there. 10? yes yeah, so he had a crack there. He says oh i left rugby league i don't need coaches and and half backs and you know all those like telling me what to do. I know where to go on the field, blah, blah, blah. Well, Tavita, guess what? If you come back to rugby league, Adam Reynolds is going to tell you what to do. Kevin Walters is going to tell you what to do. <laughs> Pat Carrigan and Payne Alfie. Alfie definitely is going to tell you what to do. But I remember, Matty, I was on the air. It's when we did our little producer switcheroo last year. Yep. August 15th, the news broke. And the great, great minds here at SEN, Joel Kane and Brian Fletcher, had this to say when the news broke about Tavita retiring from rugby league. So will he be back in the NRL one day? Million, million percent. He'll do boxing in the off season. I guarantee you, he'll be playing
4: NRL next year.
6: Totally agree.
4: And he'll get he'll be on like probably seven hundred. So
6: there you go. The great minds of Joel Kane and Brian Fletcher on SEN. If you want to get the best tips and predictions, guys, stick here. Stick here. Yeah. What do you think? Does he come back and play rugby league NRL in twenty twenty four? Seven hundred for half a season? No, well that—that's <laughs> no, what I made. A million percent. Yeah, that's what Fletcher was saying. I don't know all about the figures yet, but let's throw the money out. You're, well, a, bit it, the, more, you're a bit more cynical in this. You think he's promoting?
0: His I mean, could be. I mean, but, but as you pointed out, he he's, he's not doing the talking here. Yep. He hasn't said anything. I, I just I, I don't know. Money 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 would be the issue. Yeah. Would it not?
6: Just figuring
0: figuring out all the money. Yeah.
6: I think he'll come back, whether or not be this year. I think we'll definitely see Tevita Pengai Jr. back in the NRL. I do
0: like it when it gets to the stage where where clubs go in search of players that can have that that hit-and-run factor yep. that they need at the back Agreed. end of a season because quite often it, it does work. Nice, nice work, Tommy. We need to take a break. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning, uh, the day after the Brisbane Heat celebrated another victory in BBL. It was a long wait. In between drinks, but 11 years after their first title, they have demolished the Sydney Sixers at the SCG for a big, big win. And the celebrations continue. We're getting ready for the second test, of course, Australia versus the West Indies, the uh, day-night test at the Gabba. And we'll be speaking to David Sanderski who is the Gabba curator, to get a good idea of the pitch. And also weather-wise. I mean, these guys are on top of the weather minute by minute. So looking okay today. But then further down the track is a bit of a different story. The Gabbers previously hosted two day-night Test matches: Pakistan in 2016 and Sri Lanka in 2019. So I'd love to know what what the what the approach is here from the curator. Um, if you're like me and you've been in contact with curators, either you know at your local cricket club or when we're out working on national duties or even international duties, I, I remember the Test, the famous Test at the Oval back in 2005 where England wrapped up the ashes there. The curator, I don't know his name, but the curator at that oval, the oval, was (laughs) like the soup Nazi. No, no, he just would not let you go anywhere. And, in fact, if you got in his way and he was on a tractor, or he'd he'd just come at you. So very, very obviously protective of their turf. The Gabba curator, David Sandersky coming up. In terms of the Australian Open, so we've got day 12 of play getting underway in an hour's time. It'll start on centre court with the women's legends. So some uh, former names of champions, Lee Nard, Daniela Hanchakova coming out, even Mayoli um, also on court. And then the men's double semifinals, which will feature Australia's Matt Ebden. That one not before 1pm Eastern Daylight Saving Time, so 12 o'clock for Queensland. So Matty Ebden and Ryan Bapana into the semifinals of the men's doubles. And later on tonight, we get down to the business end for the women's. So the semi-finals: Coco Gauff and Arena Sabalenka will be first up, starting at seven thirty, down there. So the first match on a little bit later than normal in the night session. So Goff, the number four seed, against the defending champion Arena Sabalenka. Diana Yastremska from Ukraine against Jinwen Zhang from China, who's seeded number twelve. In this tournament, both essentially rookies when you can th- think about where they're at at this stage of the Grand Slam itself. So that's the women's semi finals tonight. And then tomorrow night, the men's semi finals will play out after Alexander Sperov booked his date, disposing of Carlos Alcaraz. Daniil Medvedev um, sent Her- Huber Hercatch packing. And so Zverev versus Medvedev will follow Novak Djokovic versus Yannick Sinner. When it comes to the cricket today, um, COVID's a big talking point. Condition's a big talking point. But let's not forget that this is a a new start for the Australian team in terms of the batting order. We only got one very brief look at it, really, at Steve Smith and Usman Khawaja as openers. Cameron Green, who's got the COVID issue hanging around, but he'll be part of that team. So what, what, what happens from here? What type of... Uh, Australian team do we see from here completely unchanged and they're going to keep that bowling lineup but Steve Smith ha- has his thoughts and has been speaking about his thoughts on opening up the batting I uh, know it was it was good fun
7: you know obviously couldn't get through um, Shamar's first ball um, you know hadn't faced him before saw a bit on the, the vision and what the vision showed me was that he actually brought the ball back in so it kind of drew me in potentially to a shot that I probably normally wouldn't play but you know, I've had a look at him now so hopefully better for the run I suppose. And then second innings was tough I think as an opener it's probably the worst time to bat um, when you only need 20 to, to win That you're kind of on a hiding for nothing there's not no real good that can sort of come of it. So um, having said that it was nice to get through and be not out at the end and yeah, no
0: I'm looking forward to this week. Just let me bat. That's, I mean, that's Steve Smith's approach, is it not? Let me bat. Give me more time in the centre. I'll take it. So let's see what unfolds there today at the Gabba. Let's go back to your text messages because I've got a mountain, a backlog of cool customers. Gee, you have had some cool customers in the world of sport? Dean from Golgong says, Brett Kenny, the cool, calm player he was, the 85 Challenge Cup, just so calm at everything. The next, next immortal, in my opinion, anyway, says Dean. Burt Kenny, yeah. Lottie Takiri, cool character. Plenty of swagger. Also a great bloke too. That one from Rob in Blacktown. Matt in Brizzy says Hulk Hogan would be my vote for a cool sports star. Hulk Hogan. So we've gone in to the wrestling world. The second test, of course, starts later on this afternoon. You'll hear every single ball with our cricket commentary team live right here on SEN across the network. I want to get an idea of the pitch and the conditions. David Sanderski is the curator at the Gabba, and he's given us some time. Dave, thanks for your time this morning, and I understand you'd be, you'd be busy, so I won't keep you too long. Um, welcome, mate. How are you feeling heading into this one?
1: Thanks for having me. I know no, we're feeling pretty good, Um weather forecast for the first two days is pretty good so that makes life a lot easier so we're pretty happy we're out at the moment.
0: You guys, I've, I've, I'll tell you who's really good at weather forecasting people who are in the aviation industry and curators because you're on top of it the whole way where do you go do you go to the bomb have you got your own stuff do you have computers running the whole time or gut feel or a mix of all?
1: Yeah, pretty much a mix of all, but yeah, mainly rely on mainly rely on bombs. So like the main thing is we probably read that forecast probably three times a day and we check the radar probably, you know, a dozen times a day. So we're out there looking at it day in, day out. So that's probably why we have a better idea than most.
0: Mate, how much does that forecast come into play as to how you prepare the pitch? Do you, do you go on a, a day cycle or a five day cycle, assuming the test is going to last that long?
1: Um mean, yeah, we rely on that forecast like you know, tomorrow. So that determines when we start a pitch, you know, how far out in the game. So you know, it takes anywhere from, say, seven to ten days to make a pitch. So, mm. you know, you used you sort to of work out from the forecast, you know, what time you're going to start that and whether you're going to put water back into it or not or when you stop watering it. So we do rely heavily on it. And if they get it majorly wrong, it does cause a bit of dramas.
0: I've only seen one photo this morning, mate, an early morning shot of the pitch itself. It looks nice and green. How would you describe it?
1: Um, I'm not sure what shot you saw this morning, uh, but um, no, there's, there's, still a t- there's still a tinge of green in it, but every day it's sort of getting wider and wider as it pitch does, like they start off green. So, you know, as I said, over that seven sort of, to ten days, you cut and roll each day and it just slowly knocks the colour out of it. So looking at it now, it looks pretty good to me.
0: Okay, good. All right. Well, I must have seen a photo from, from yesterday or something. So it's starting to do that. Hey, what's the natural enemy of a curator?
1: A natural enemy, probably weather.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, I know I no. old oh, Kev used to say to me, You control the weather, don't let the weather control you. So, like, we'll cover a wicket, you know, so that's seven, ten days out, so we sort of have more control over the weather rather than be the lap of their gods.
0: Yeah. Okay, so it's it's the conditions that come from above. I was thinking like your army worms or anything like that, but you guys you guys run a very tight ship. Is there any difference, Dave, when you're when you're looking at preparing a, a pitch for a a day-night test match than a regular day test?
1: Um, Yeah, it is a little bit trickier. Uh, That pink ball, especially up here, like it's sort of wet season in Brisbane now, so humidity is through the roof. So that can tend to help the ball swing at night. So it is something that we do consider. But, yeah, compared to the red ball, it can stay hard. The the majority of those ADOs where the pink ball, if it's a bit rough, from over 20 onwards, if it gets roughed up too much, it can go a bit dead.
0: Mm-hmm. And your job, of course, doesn't end when play starts, does it? I mean, you, you continue to go and you've got your ground staff there and you're ready to rumble and, and take, a, um, take action as needed. And then, of course, the preparation for the next day. But when you hand over the pitch, right, when, when you get to the start of play today and you go back beyond the boundary ropes and, and you're sitting back, What's the feel like then? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel like you're handing over your baby to someone else to scuff it up and do all that kind of stuff to it, or is is that just part and parcel of your job?
1: Oh, I think that's just part and parcel of the job. You know, we love watching the game, like Test matches, is, like our ultimate for the year for our greenkeeper, like it's the pinnacle. So yeah, you know, we love getting back and watching, but I, yeah, we definitely get nervous and I sort of watch nearly every single ball and <laughs> yeah. Ride it pretty
0: hard. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just finally, mate, so the weather today, you reckon you'll be clear of rain today, if not maybe tomorrow as well?
1: Yeah, that's what it looks like at the moment. So today's mostly sunny 32. Yeah, it's not a to the sky at the moment, so it looks yeah. beautiful. So hopefully, I so said, get two really good days into it and then hopefully got a bit more idea what the cyclone's doing and whether we get any whip off that.
0: Yeah, because that's still hovering around. Good on you, Dave. Thanks so much for your time. I, I really do appreciate it. Great to get an insight. And I know, obviously, it's busy. You've got a lot of preparation to do. So have a good one.
1: Not a problem. Thanks, Matt. For thanks for having me.
0: David Sandersky there, the curator at the Gabba with his team, wished them all the very best interesting insights, isn't it? I mean, you could pick their brains all day. And I would like to spend more time, but I'm cognizant of the fact that he's got a test match to prepare for. Um, last year, of course, There was plenty of criticism on that Gabba pitch against South Africa. Two days, 34 wickets were lost for just 504 runs, and the ICC stepped in. So that photo, Tommy, that we looked at this morning, um, must have been from somebody who took it yesterday because it it, it looked very green. But David's saying there, and he's right in front of it, that it's now starting to brown up a bit.
6: Uh, yeah, Yeah, I'm looking at photos from yesterday, and it was very, very green. Okay. And, yeah, very, very green. Maybe he's just kind of, I don't know, Maybe has widened up a bit, maybe he's a bit cognizant of everything that happened last year as well. Or was it 504 runs and 34 <coughs> wickets were lost? Yeah. And the ICC caught it a below average pitch. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out, Mate, the this first test
0: match. the first test lasted two and a half days anyway. Yeah. And I don't know how much that had to do with the pitch.
6: Yeah, I know. But, like, so, you know, last yeah. time at the Gabba, last year at the Gabba, it lasted right. a day and a
0: half. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, our thanks to David and his staff up there. Some news around Jared Hayne that's been reported on the News Limited websites this morning. The story by Adelaide Lang. Disgraced former star Jared Hayne will return to court later this year to appeal his conviction for raping a woman in her home on grand final night more than five years ago now. He was found guilty of sexually assaulting the woman at her Newcastle home following that high-profile trial in the district court. Last year, sentenced to four years and nine months behind bars, but he will be eligible for parole in May next year due to time already served in custody. Haynes' legal representative appeared in the Court of Criminal Appeal today to set a date for the appeal to be heard. She told the court that Hain is appealing his conviction based on evidence that arose during the trial. Registrar George Galana set the appeal hearing for April the, third. the court heard that Hain will be present in the courtroom for the appeal hearing, which is expected to take four hours. The appeal marks Hayne's second bid to quash his rape conviction in the court of criminal appeal. So there you go. An appeal hearing date set by uh, April the 3rd will be that date, and something around about a four-hour um, block has been put aside for that one. So that's the latest on the Jared Hayne legal position one three hundred oh one eleven seventy one is my open line number. 16 minutes after 11 for my New South Wales listeners. 16 after 10 in Queensland. We're back. The Brisbane Heat are the BBL 13 series winners after a big win over the Sixers at the SCG last night. So that means the Brisbane Heat become the third team to have won multiple titles. The Perth Scorchers lead the way with five. The Sydney Sixers have won three. And now the Heat win their second after winning BBL number two way back in 2012. 13. Um, One of the stars of the show was Spencer Johnson who was brilliant last night Uh, the figures of 4 for 26 that just locked the Sixers out of the game. In comes Johnson. Left arm over the wicket. Straight through. Knocked him over or he gets out. Edwards goes Johnson delivers. Philippi 23 off 21 deliveries has hit it into the air. This will be end of Josh Philippi the third wicket falls A big breakthrough. And that's Kerr taking a swing. Johnson will chase it down. Caught and bowled. And he gets another wicket, Spencer Johnson. He's an absolute star, Spencer Johnson, and he was last night the player of the match as well. And as I mentioned earlier, he was pretty emotional in the uh, post-match presentation, which was hosted by Jason Richardson on the ground there when he was uh, asked to speak in front of the crowd and he referenced a number of things, including Stephen O'Keefe's farewell. And this was a good touch of pure sportsmanship, I reckon, from Spencer Johnson to Sockey.
7: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I heard the Brisbane Heat, everything. Coming up here last year, um, didn't know where my career was going and now I've just won a big bash with... 11 of my closest mates, so it's pretty cool.
0: Take us inside that winning in huddle a moment ago. What was the conversations in there?
7: Yeah, there's lots of emotions. I went straight to Socky. Socky's had an unbelievable career. He's been, He's owned this this stadium, so I um, went to him first, but then, yeah, we're going to enjoy this one tonight.
0: Can you believe how comfortably you got it done in the end?
7: Uh, not really, no. The credit to the batters, Brownie again, um, got us a, a total that we can defend and uh, I feel like we were the best team all year so I think we deserve to, to have the medal around our neck. Yeah, it's, this is pretty cool.
0: Credit to you, four wickets in that caught and bold as well. What does it mean to contribute in such a way in a final?
7: Yeah, it's always nice. Um, first first over probably didn't go the way I wanted to Yeah, to, to get a couple of wickets and win. It's, it's pretty special.
0: We saw a bit more emotion from you tonight than we normally do.
7: What was that about? Uh, I don't know. I guess, as I said before, 12 months ago, wasn't in this position. I um, and I think the, the Brisbane Heat have changed my life, so um, it's pretty special.
0: Interview there with Fox last night, Spencer Johnson, reflecting on the emotion around it and how much it's changed since he's arrived at the Brisbane Heat, and he's certainly paid them back in spades, not to mention the big deal that he's locked in with the IPL. But in between all that is going over to Stephen O'Keefe. So the celebrations were were pretty wild. You've got to remember, too, that they were they were on a victory march well and truly by then, um, that they knew the victory was coming. The theatrics of Michael Nusser on the boundary, handing it off to Paul Walter was extraordinary. And they were hooting and hollering by that time. And then, of course, the final wicket falls, which was Stephen O'Keefe's wicket, caught Walter, bowled Xavier Bartlett, and that triggered the big celebrations from the Brisbane Heat. But in the midst of all of that, Spencer Johnson went over to sock and made sure that he made a beeline to Stephen O'Keefe before he headed off. 28 years of age, Spencer, Spencer Johnson, uh, an absolute star of the game and a credit to him to do what he did. Our thanks to Fox for that one. 2am, Tommy. Well, Maddie, I just
6: want to ask, why isn't Spencer John- Johnson in the T20 squad against the West Indies? Mm. So oh. his stats here, 19 wickets, economy of seven, average of 1447 Best bowling figures uh, were last night of the season, four for 26. So they're going to play, what is it, three T20s against the West Indies and a couple of ODIs. And then they're going to play three T20s against New Zealand as well and a few ODIs after their, um, at the back end of February, after their Mm. two-match test series as well. So going through the T20 squad, which has been named.
0: 14-player squad.
6: Yep. Um, so Josh Josh Hazelwood is there. Nathan Ellis is there.
0: Sean Abbotts. Sean there. Abbotts there. Jason Berendoff.
6: So, so Jason Berendoff, who's been very very consistent over the last few years. But wouldn't you wouldn't you want a guy? So we we saw earlier in the week they brought in Jake Fraser McGurk, who's been wonderful, um, in the BBL this year too. Bringing him into that to that um, Aussie squad in that Aussie setup. Wouldn't you want a guy? There like Spencer Johnson. My my only thought, like maybe could he be resting himself for the IPL, but even that IPL is a few months away. Uh,
0: Mate, I don't know. I actually, I don't don't know the answer to that, why he's not in there. We'll do some digging around that. Perhaps our listeners do know in the midst of all of these teams that were coming out and then Glenn Maxwell and the ODI team and all that kind of stuff and the names that they brought in, Jake Fraser McGurk and Xavier Bartlett that that got uh, called into the ODI side or squad then you look at the T20 and it's interesting that he's not there. There may be another reason that we've completely missed. So happy to find out on that. 0457 736 736. Um, Good question. A text here says, nice to see such a big crowd at the BBL final last night. It was 43,153. Such a shame that they couldn't be bothered in staying around to applaud the eventual winners in the heat. True sports fan there from the old man, long hair. Well, I was there. Um, old man, long hair. (laughs) And a lot of the crowd, obviously being Sydney supporters, decided to check out a little bit earlier because they knew the way that it was going. And I would dare say that they wanted to beat the rush mostly, but there were still plenty of people there when the, when the presentations took place. Obviously they're not all going to sit around and wait for it. And it was close to 11 o'clock by the time that finished last night. So, um, is what it is, not everyone's going to stick around. That's just a fact, I think. And especially trying to get out of that jo- uh, that joint is not easy. When we think of cool customers, do a few more of these before we head to the next news break. Dan's posted a couple here, w- which is interesting for me. Cool customer, we're talking about sport. And, and the premise about this this morning was Okay, so much discussion around the heat in Sydney and the Brisbane heat itself. Well, let's take it the other way. Who, who cools you down? Who was ice cool out there on the sporting field had that presence? And you've gone for Michael Schumacher, just owned the track and everything around him, which is true and had the presence that he had because of the success that he had and a very a very straightforward demeanour about Michael Schumacher, not the most personable bloke in the world, but lived in a very, very extraordinary bubble. And you've also said Max Verstappen, his modern-day equivalent, which again to me is interesting. Now, I'm a huge, huge fan of Max Verstappen, the race car driver, but he doesn't he doesn't float my boat in any way when it comes to the personality side. Not that I'm bothered with that and not that he'd give a rat's either. But cool customer out on the track, no doubt about it. I'd say Dan Ricardo's more cool. <laughs> now we're starting to break down what's cool and what's not. Um, Mark War says Nick. The way he had all the time in the world to play his shots. Easy in his catching style the sunglasses, the wristband. When bowling, we were talking about Mark War, Dougie and I last night when we saw Kepler Vessels out there, who was the match referee last night. And I looked at Doug and I said, I remember watching Kepler Vessels and I said, Kepler Vessels, I'm sure he's got a century on Debu for Australia. And he did. He scored 160, I think, and 46, 162 and 46 in his first test for Australia, which then led us to Mark Waugh's innings because I vividly remember his century on Debu at the Adelaide Oval. 138, I reckon it was for Mark War, and it was absolutely sublime. And I said to Doug last night, and you reference it beautifully here, Nick, the amount of time, all the time in the world to play his shots. The young kid that came out on debut I don't know how old he was when he made his debut for Test Cricket in Australia, but he, he absolutely had all that time, and he hit almost every single ball um, along the carpet, and I got up the next morning, went to the news agent, bought all the papers I could to read every single piece of um, follow-on from that that I could after Mark War's innings. Thank you for that one. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, C A have blacklisted all Johnsons from national squads after Mitch stirred everything up. Says Roy from Spud City. Uh, and then Andrew the Mortlake Tiger says he's probably not woke enough for the national team, which we've done thousands and thousands of times. Here's a shout-out for a cool customer, especially on the footy field. Darren Lockyer always comes to mind. Absolutely, in any way, shape, or form, Ben. Um, Oozed cool and class. Thanks, Vanessa. Play getting underway in half an hour's time at the Australian Open, day 12. The Legends doubles will be out on court first and, of course, women's semifinals tonight and later on this afternoon. Ball-by-ball ball ball coverage of the second test. Australia versus the West Indies right here. On SEN, so keep it locked in for the day-night test. But we want to talk some wine now. Back into the start of a new year, but summer's still with us. And uh, the co-fo- co-founder of Ponting Wines, David Krenich, is on the line as we get back into the world of wine in 2024. Dave, good morning to you, mate.
5: Good day. How are you?
0: Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. You can check out the Ponting Wines range at Ponting Wines dot com dot au Ricky's been very busy of course with all of his duties and I assume the summer's been busy for you as well
5: yeah the wines have been going great um, our sales you know through the retail channels and direct have been fantastic we started uh, actually started selling on the Royal Caribbean cruise ships as well so that's, that's been interesting for us and yes yeah, and we've got a day at the Queensland uh, Cricketers Club up at the Gabba on Saturday. Yes. So that
0: should be fun as well. I wanted to talk to you about that. Well, actually, let's start with that because you're going to be there at the Queensland Cricketers Club. So, as you mentioned, day three, which is the Saturday, you'll have your full range to taste and drink with those that are going to be in the Cricketers Club. And Ricky will also drop in in between the millions of jobs that he's got on a, on a <laughs> Test Match weekend. The interesting, thing is, the interesting thing is, mate, the weather for Saturday looks a bit ropey. Which is, which is is it good or bad news for you because it means that you're going to have a lot of people indoors possibly with nothing else to do but look at your range, drink your range, buy your range.
5: That's it. All the members are committed uh, for their seats on the Saturday. So, yeah, they'll be locked in, nothing to watch and um, <laughs> plenty of uh, time to, to sample the range and have a look through. But I think they've also got – they've planned to have some live entertainment Uh, in the Queensland Cricketers Club as well. So it'll be a good event. It'll probably give us more access to Ricky, which I'm sure... We'll make sure people are more open to trying
0: the wine. <laughs> I just had a chat with the curator <laughs> up there um, and we were talking about, I said to him, what's the natural enemy of the curator? And he said, well, the weather. So I'm not going to tell him that you'll be doing the rain dance because you want people to stay <laughs> in the cricketers' club. Just on Ricky himself, I mean, we've been discussing and Ben and I have been discussing last year and you and I have been discussing since you guys came on board and we're thankful of your sponsorship at the morning show because we get some great feedback about it about, you know, Ricky's the kind of personality that everyone wants to go and, and meet and speak to, but he's, his in-depth knowledge of wine is almost representative of how he attacked his cricket career, isn't it, mate? I mean, he, he's hands-on, he's very specific. I don't want to use the word aggressive because that throws up like he's going to come in there and smash bottles, but he, he's a very intense kind of character who who throws everything at it.
5: Yeah, but like. The, uh... I think um ben's probably told you as well the level of interest that he has in what we're doing and learning more and and getting across yeah you know, the industry in total not just the sort of work that ben's doing but sort of understanding how it all works it's it's been it's been really refreshing and interesting to to get that insight to the way that he he operates i guess so it's clearly what's made him a success as a cricketer as well you can you can just see that competitive streak that's in there as well. Yeah. It's It's really enjoyable to work with.
0: So do you, (laughs) you can be honest, do you dread the end of summer when he's got more time on his hands? Or (laughs) do you appreciate the end of summer when you can get him?
5: (laughs) Well, it's it's a bit of that getting some time with him fantastic. But nowadays in cricket, summer doesn't seem to end for Corby. Yeah, kind of from one thing to the next. And I think we've got T20 tournaments coming and IPL tournaments, which he's engaged. Yeah, in most of these, so yeah, it's it's almost twelve months of the year these days. So it's <laughs> in so small patches where, where we can get some time with him, which is great. And you know, obviously, around the test matches, we've been able to get um, some access to do some work with him. So so yeah, so it's it's mean, yeah it means a lot to us. It's good. To, we'll probably get him back to the winery in February. We're definitely going down uh, in the first week of February down to Tasmania. We're catching up with some growers down there, so give him a chance and get a little bit away from cricket. get engaged in, in what we're doing as a business
0: together. Yeah, in his other love. So uh, appreciate your time again this morning, mate, and looking forward to our regular chats throughout the year. So pontingwines.com.au is where you can find the range. Most of our listeners are right across this, but for those that are just hearing about Ponting Wines for the very first time, um, make sure you go onto that website. There's some wonderful stories behind the wines, obviously, that tie in with Ricky's career, but the wines themselves will just keep you very, very busy pontingwines.com.au use the code SEN20 which offers 20% off purchases direct from the winery. David thanks for your time this morning
5: Thanks again, good to
0: chat David Krenich joining us there and uh, we'll do that on a regular basis as well. So, look, Ben Riggs is uh, one of the winemakers there. David is a co-founder of Ponting Wines. And if you've got any questions about wines when we start talking about it on a Thursday morning, let me know. We need to do another test update, though, for Edgewater Homes, build with confidence, India v England. So, wow, there's some really interesting stuff here, Tommy. And Shoah Bashir is now being granted a visa. So the 20-year-old English spinner went through the same problems that Usman Khawaja faced for going into India. So uh, th- there's a couple of really interesting things to watch in this test match, none the least of which it's India versus England. But Virak Kohli is going to miss the first two tests, mm-hmm. personal reasons, and I saw that on social media a couple of days ago where that's all they said, Yep, respect his privacy. So something's going on there. Now the show Bashir... Um, situation has been resolved. No Harry Brook for the entire entire, s- series. entire series because of personal reasons, and the English team will take a bowling lineup into the first test that features just the one paceman.
6: Yeah. So the lineup they've gone with is Crawley, Duckett, Pope, Root, Bester, Stokes. So Bester is going to bat at five. Ben Stokes obviously the captain. Folks is going to be the wicketkeeper. Ahmed Hartley Wood and Jack Leach. And since 2013, India have won 36 tests at home and lost just three of them. And they've won 15 times by an innings. So they are a juggernaut at home in the last 10 years. But yeah, you spoke about that um, before, Matty, about Shoah Bashir. So he's 20 years old, um, England player, he's Muslim of Pakistani heritage. He was able, unable to fly into India from their Abu Dhabi training camp. He was then forced to fly back to London, but then luckily the um, England and Wales Cricket Board, alongside the England government, were able to figure out um, and get him a visa, and he's going to join them later. Join them back in India later this weekend. So a big, big plus for England. But I don't know who to root for in this Test series. <laughs> I think I'll root root for India because it's England and I can't stand England. But it's going to be a fast. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And Maddie, guess what? You can listen to it on SEN Fanatic as well. Kicking off today, you can listen to it. They're going to have Kevin Peterson alongside SEN, have partnered with TalkSport in UK. So you can listen to the likes of Kevin Peterson, Stephen Harmison and the likes. Um, It's going to be a fascinating test series and can't wait to watch it.
0: Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's any news about why Virat Kohli. I mean, that's a huge, huge decision for him to withdraw because of personal reasons. So... Um, had been due to play, but requested a leave of absence and won't play in the second match, which is due to start on February the 2nd. As you can imagine, the the reaction in India was one of absolute heartbreak. I mean, they absolutely love the man. So it's not known if he'll play any part in that five test series. And no word about what it is. I mean, if it's a personal reason, it should stay personal, but... You can imagine that everybody would be trying to find out. So some twists and turns in that one. Thanks to Edgewater Homes Mortgage Fund, up to $1,500 a month off your home loan for two years. T's and C's apply. Edgewater Homes, build with confidence. We're back after this. Right, let's get to your text messages. It's uh, just gone a quarter to 12 in Sydney, quarter to 11 on SENQ 693, day one of the second test coming up later on this afternoon. Um, Cool customer, Fatty Vorton. On the footy show, there were so many things that didn't go to plan. Wrong camera on. Fatty not knowing the next segment, yet just totally cool, carried on without any worry. A natural, I would say, Jeremy. Uh, Talking wine, Matt, you've got to support fellow mates. Hello, sports. Tom and Eddie's Big Day Rose. Uh, I've been having a couple of these cheeky rosés since early spring over summer for the last couple of years. Beautiful drop from Three Kings Wine Merchants. There you go. The old rosé.
6: Yeah, they call it the big day rosé, Tom and Eddie, because when you have it, you're in for a big one. The big
0: day rosé. Got you. I love the show. Why does the world of sport and cricket uh, allow the Indian sides to or nation to exclude Pakistani cricketers from their country? We had a time when the South Africans were excluded from their treat. um, And it goes on, says HP Robbo. (sighs) Yeah, a lot more to unpack in that one than we... I've got time for, or uh, I think the answers for is it un-Australian says this listener, (laughs) there's an opening line. Is it un-Australian to say, I'm looking forward to India versus England over Australia versus West Indies? No, so what you want, go for your life. If you're surrounded by those that are waving Aussie flags and only want to watch Australia v West Indies, you'll probably find yourself an argument. But, do you think that India v. England might go a little bit longer than Australia v. West Indies? Let's take the weather out of it um, because the weather could have a major say in what happens at the Gabba up there. So, no, you're looking forward to, you just said it before, you're looking forward to India v. England. You don't know which way you're going to go, but you, that's what you're looking forward to. So let's just say if it's on bang for buck, mm-hmm. right, value for money. We know that the... West Indians are absolute long shots to win this test and go the distance in this test. So how long do you reckon the Australia v. West Indies test is going to go? So we spoke to David Sandersky
6: earlier, I think, and looking at the radar, it looks like the rain is going to get bigger and bigger each day. We spoke yeah. about this a little early in the week, Matty. I think it will go three and a half days. Three and a half. So it will finish- and that's
0: including weather.
6: That's including weather. It will finish within four. It's going to go three and a half days. I'm going to can, I'm going to stick with um, the consistency of this whole summer. No test match this whole summer has gone for five days. Mm. I'm going to say it finishes within four and it will be done. It will be done by lunchtime, day four.
0: Day four. So Thursday, day one, Australia day, day two. Saturday, Don't day I 3 the war. Yep. Saturday, day three. And day four, Sunday. You reckon it's going to be done by lunch, or not lunch? Tea. Tea.
6: It'll be done by tea, Sunday. Sunday. Okay.
0: I think it's done before that. Okay. Interesting. I think it's done before that because I think that pink ball in the hands of the Australian bowlers is going to wreak havoc.
6: Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't tell you
0: no. That won't happen (laughs) with those conditions. With the conditions up there, muggy. Swinging, the pitch is right. If if the windies bat first, it could be madness and mayhem.
6: Does any of the Australian batsmen, so we've only seen two centuries this, this summer. Davey Warner, of course, had up the stadium against um, Pakistan where he silenced the doubters. And then, of course, last test, Travis Head yeah. um, got one. Mitch Marsh got out in the 90s twice. Usman Khawaja got out in the 90s once. Yeah. Do we see a test century from one of the batsmen? Steve Smith, does Cameron Green stand up, get his first one on Aussie soil? Manus Labashang has been kind of underwhelming this, this summer. Do we see a century from any of the batsmen?
0: That's a good question. That's a good question to finish off today's show. Still got 10 minutes. So who are you picking if there is a century to come from an Australian batsman in this test? Who's your man most likely? I lean towards Mitch Marsh.
6: I lean towards Usman Khawaja.
0: You lean towards Uzi. Home
6: ground. Yep. Home ground advantage. Yep. Queenslander. Oh, but same with Marnus, but I'm going to stick with Uzi because he's been he's been more consistent this summer.
0: I love the speculation. I mean you just yeah. sit here and play the speculating yeah, of game. Course. All time. I just I really think that that pink ball underlights the conditions up there. Sure, the weather's going to play a major part. Um, and the fact that the Australian team made it very clear that they're going to stick with this bowling lineup, the same lineup all throughout this test series. Well one and two tests, um, I I think that they could wreak some pretty serious havoc on the West Indian batsmen.
6: And just one more to finish off. So there was a text there about, is not an Australian to say you'd rather watch India v England? No, because India v England is like watching Brisbane Broncos v Melbourne Storm. Australia versus West West Indies is like watching the Penrith Panthers against the West (laughs) Tigers or the St. George Laura Dragons, you know, which one's the better contest. Okay. It's probably India
0: v England with respect. Yeah. Okay. As I says, Tommy, there is an actual lunch break at a day-night test. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Um, And Steve says, Matty, Peter Brock, aka the King of the Mountain, was pretty cool. Presence, no doubt about it. Uh, Aura, all that kind of stuff. Brocky had it in spades. And, yeah, it would just capture the attention of everybody. That's a good shout-out, that one. So still more of those to come, but we do need to take our final break before we come back and wrap it up. Okay, a final one on our cool customer debate this morning, and this goes back to something that Tommy and I were discussing earlier. He wasn't so sure. I was convinced, and Paramat is backing it up. He says, I saw Winks in the yard at Rose Hill and Randwick. She had swagger. Cool oozed from her. The size or behaviour of the other contenders didn't come close to even phasing her, and then she'd go out, give them a head start, run them down, and break them. 100% cool that's a good way to finish off our cool customer discussion this morning didn't think that we'd have a top contender uh being an equine contender but hey i reckon you bang on on that one day one of the test coming up later on this afternoon right here on SEM. we'll have all of that fallout for you tomorrow morning of course semi-finals at the australian open we'll capture all of that in the morning for you afternoons with julian king is coming up. We'll do top tips with Chris Nelson as well, and BP will be on the show tomorrow. Thanks for your input today, folks. Try and stay cool if you're in and around Sydney. Get ready for another big day of cricket up there in Brizzy and enjoy. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Bye for now.